drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? Most of us have a connection to divorce. Maybe your parents had a divorce or you're supporting a friend through a marriage breakdown or perhaps you've been through one or more yourself. The narrative around divorces is always sad and painful and messy. But photographer Harry Borden illustrates the ripple effect that the breakdown of marriage creates, including the positive outcomes of peace, reflection and recreation of one's self in his book on divorce. A combination of visual portrait and written self-portrait, it kind of contemplates the end of marriage by presenting photographs with reflections on divorce from his subjects. Harry, welcome to you. Hello. What is it about our interpersonal relationships and family dynamics like divorce that interest you? My uh, my sort of uh, story really was one of uh, the first twenty years of my life. I've always been a photographer. I guess, I've ne- I guess I've never had a proper job, and I, and I sort of dedicated my time to photographing famous people. And in fact, it just occurred to me that uh, not only is my wife, uh, my ex-wife, uh, Australian, but my uh, I did I photographed Michael Hutchinson uh, and the pictures in the Australian portrait gallery. And it, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but wow. basically uh, what happened was I, I sort of photographed all these famous people and I got to the point in my life where the wheels kind of came off with um, me getting divorced and and suddenly, you know, uh, in everything had gone perfect up until that point. And then suddenly, you know, we moved uh, out of town and we sort of, for our kids and, and, and suddenly, you know, uh, for once in my life, things weren't going according to plan. And it sort of actually ended up being a catalyst of, of, of various projects, which were more personal in nature. And so that's, that's where this kind of um, interest came. I mean, it's, it's really summed up in the get lemons, make lemonade um, sort of adage, really. I kind of just thought um, I felt it's been 15 years since we got divorced, but it was kind of the, one of the biggest and most emotional experiences of my life. And so it seemed natural to sort of explore that in my work. So were you looking for a way to sort of self-soothe? You mentioned it was 15 years ago. I mean, surely uh, these wounds can linger that long and longer. Or are you trying to find the perfect divorce to, to canvas people's experiences to find out the best possible way to have a divorce? You know, I realized the best way to win my ex back because she wanted to be with someone else or or get on with my life and be happy 
have a good relationship with my children. It was the same path. And I realized that that was one of reconciliation and sort of dismantling the ego. And I realized that the best way to, to sort of move forward was to sort of accept the situation and sort of listen to her. And out of that, I realized that most people don't do that. And so almost immediately, because I took that approach, my ex and I started a friendship started to blossom and we started to get on really well. And uh, we basically approached a, a, a law firm and asked if they could represent us both because we didn't want adv an adversarial sort of approach because we were both united in commitment to our kids being okay and it being not impacting on them in a, in a corrosive way. And uh, we found that I found that it was just impossible. And so we sort of went back and we got divorced online and it was a really kind of quite, civilized um experience i mean we we did benefit from having been very successful together because i was very good at what i did and she looked after sort of the kids and we were we were successful and we had sort of we i guess we sort of weren't on the on the poverty line so we were i wouldn't say we were rich but we but you know it wasn't like we were going to be fighting over money so we just sort of um what i realized was that actually the best way to kind of um you know, uh, have a have a good life is to sort of not obsess about the past and sort of try and rework these sort of unsatisfactory relationships, sort of actually recontextualize them as, you know, we were in love and we had three children and it was a beautiful relationship in many ways, but, you know, not everything lasts. I mean, literally nothing lasts. Everything changes. Everything's constantly in flux and it's important to kind of embrace that. And, and I think that's probably where so many people go wrong when they do get divorced. In the beginning of the book, you have some thoughts about how divorce occurs and you make the comparison between lovers and babies. Talk to me about this comparison. Yeah, I mean, my uh, the, the 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 book is uh, published by the School of Life, which is a sort of uh, an organisation that was founded by Alan de Botton, the writer. And it would be wrong of me to uh, take credit for his beautifully written essay because he wrote the essay at the beginning. Um, but I mean, I think I think as uh, and a relationship evolves, I think what he's sort of getting at is the fact that you know initially you're kind of blinded by you know, the, the priorities that you have when you're usually in your 20s and you're young, which is you're looking for a mate, which is sort of genetically compatible to you. So your criteria for what you find attractive changes over time. And uh, once you get to sort of, an, uh, once you've had children, and once you're older, then you kind of no longer shackled, as George Melly said, to sort of your kind of sexual desire. And you can kind of actually find someone who you know, you, obviously you might be sex. You have, it's nice. Sex is important. It's important to be uh, desirous of your of your partner. But that's not the only thing. You you need a kind of um, mutual uh, support and and uh, humor and all these element, other elements that come into the relationship, which are kind of more uh, put uh, set aside. I think when when people are young and looking for a mate in order to sort of have children in a sort of quite animalistic way. You believe that a portrait is a record of the relationship uh, that you have with the person. So how did you want these portraits to tell these stories? Because as you've outlined, certainly in your own private experience, there can be bitterness and heartbreak, but then there can be another transition into something more functional and then eventually friendship. So when you take a momentary portrait of these couples, it has to be in one of those transitions or phases so how did you approach that 
Yeah, it can be challenging. I think I think what I do is when I when I start a project, I always ask myself two questions. How do I feel about this subject and what am I trying to say? And I, and I think also it's important. It gives you an advantage anyway. I, I think people, you know, should be able to do projects about whatever they want and even if it's something they don't have personal experience of. But how but setting that aside, I think if it the fact that I I went through it myself, gave me sort of the um, authority or, or the compassion and the empathy to sort of talk to people. And obviously, they were in various states of, of getting divorced. So some people were absolutely in the maelstrom of, of emo- and very, very emotionally raw and still in the middle of it. And some people were more sort of sanguine and able to start. Most people, in fact, had had actually a, quite a positive uh a take on on divorce, but that bit, it's also the case that uh, the people that I I found for the book it sort of self selects for people who were more thoughtful and self aware and able to sort of talk about it. I mean, I think I'd imagine people who were really really angry uh, would be less inclined to sort of be interested in being in the book. But I'd say all the people in the book are, have become friends, and I just think I mean I start I start from that 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 approach that a portrait is a record of the relationship because quite often uh, the interesting pictures have uh, portraits for me have sort of intimacy and have a connection quite often and actually if, if it doesn't go well you know if you photograph somebody and you don't get on well then there can be a sort of tension but it just it's just a sort of mathematical equation really that that it literally is you're capturing time and you're capturing the the connection you have with the person i mean the, the most sort of banal and uninteresting portraits to me are just a sort of empty exercise in technique and stamping people with technique which is very commonplace to have good technique uh, these days with the cameras as they are and the digital sort of shift that we've experienced in the medium so it really it's really the interesting thing for me is about that connection whatever that happens to be on the day. You have several children of divorce in the book. Uh, Your son, Florian, and his reflection is included. He, at least apparently, chooses to see the positive side in your own divorce. Was that a revealing answer to you? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, he he actually uh, he couched that <laughs> he did he was positive, but he also sort of pointed out that him and, uh, and my mum, his mum, and I sort of split up very very quickly, um, and I think that sort of reflects the fact that we kind of did we weren't really getting on terribly well, uh, and we kind of hid it from him. But um, I've got three other children, and and they're they're older, and in fact they were the uh, children of my sort of main. A marriage that I sort of write about in the book. And then Florian came from a 10-year relationship that happened after that. And I picked Florian because um, he just is by nature a very extrovert and an extremely good communicator. And I knew that he would have something, he, although he's only he was only 11 at the time, I knew that he'd have something sage to add. If you but just... Yeah, I'm just going to say that the, the one that the, the he did, it did kind of shock um, myself and his mum that he pointed out that it was so quick and he'd find that a bit, he'd found that a bit discombobulating you know that he suddenly was living in a different house for 50 percent of the time um, but but the dust settled and uh, and I think it often can provide children with a sort of blueprint for uh, the the real rela- nature of relationships rather than buying into a sort of romantic notion that you know you're gonna find, like a Disney-esque kind of uh, fairy tale idea that you're going to find the one. 
If you just join me on RN Drive, photographer Harry Borden is here. We're discussing his new book on divorce. I have to say, Harry, your career seems to have two two halves to it, if you like. There's the high-profile celebrity editorial and cover shoots that you talked about, uh, and then there are your sort of private projects that seem to explore almost the antithesis of the rich and famous, the familial or the intimate, like your project Single Dad. Um, the two worlds really collided, didn't they, when uh, at one point you worked with Bob Geldof. Tell me about that. Well, um, I actually, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I kind of leveraged my uh, having, I still photographed occasionally celebrities for magazines and so on, but I happened to photograph Sir Bob uh, for The Guardian, and I'd photographed him a couple of times, I think for Time magazine with Bono, uh, with something to do with Live Aid, uh, and a, a sort of a, a sort of, marking uh, having live it having taken place rather than I was at school when live aid actually happened but um because I sort of knew him I, I sort of showed him the uh you know I sort of at the shoot I showed him the pictures of that I'd shot of the single parent dads um and he liked the project and obviously he's an advocate for men and uh you know and a very very powerful uh um you know, speaker, very articulate and and has interesting take. Um, and so uh, it's it, it's one of those things that uh, that one can do when you sort of have access to these people because otherwise it's it's impossible to sort of get people to agree to do something like that. But he basically, yeah, I'll tell you what actually happened. I I realised after I'd shot him the second time that I'd photographed Peaches, his daughter, and I've got a daughter, and I just sort of I just sort of had a lot of compassion what happened and so the death I went of, to of his my, daughter that's right yeah and so I I uh, went onto my hard drives and I downloaded all the JPEGs the photographs that I'd taken of her I didn't edit them at all I just basically made some prints and I just put them in an envelope and I sent them to his his manager I'd forgotten about this and he um he emailed me and he just said he said thank you so much for doing that that's people don't realize that's all I have are things like that and he he reminded me about the single parent dads that I'd shown him, and he said, "Is there anything he could do?" And I said, "Well, seeing as you ask, it'd be great if you could write me an essay about single parent fatherhood." And his essay was brilliant. It was probably a bit too campaigning and a bit too hard for for what I wanted. And he wrote he kindly rewrote it a couple of times, which you know he's not used to <laughs> being told to rewrite it. But he was really he, he's he, he was so kind, and and, and I ha- I got so much respect for him. Uh, and he and he, you know, he. It was. It's a very uh, quixotic project. I mean, it's it's an art book, really, uh, in a, in a sort of age where people are quite down on men. You know, it was a kind of celebration of of men who are the single, who are the main carer, and so you know, it it wasn't a kind of big um, publishing phenomenon, but it was kind of him to do that. Similarly, I I, I photographed um, nearly two hundred Holocaust survivors, and uh, I came in fact came to Melbourne and and on two trips and photographed them for my first book, which was um, a survivor, a portrait of the survivors of the Holocaust. So I'd photographed Howard Jacobson and he'd written about the Holocaust. And so, you know, I was photographing him for the Sunday Times. So I was able to sort of show him the pictures and he, he wrote, he wrote a forward for me. So it's nice if that can happen, you know, and uh, in this instance, um, Alan was happy to, he was, you know, it was part of his. It was a collaboration with with him, really. Uh, this this book, so it was it was great that he wrote that essay because it's so measured and thoughtful. Um, and uh, you know, I love what the School of Life do. In your line of work, and to some extent mine, you don't have a lot of time to get to know a subject, particularly with famous people, politicians, celebrities, and such. So I'm curious about what you do in order to sort of see them 
to connect with them as fast as possible because at the end of the day, your career has stemmed from photographing Jimmy Savile and Oscar Pistorius to Bob Geldof and, and many others. It, it's a very diverse range of creatures that you photograph. So how do you get to know them quickly? Yeah. Well, it's an interesting, after I split up with my ex, uh, various things that I did, uh, including sort of me a meditation retreat, I did I did Vipassana meditation, but one of the things I, I did was go and see a psychologist and sort of get an insight into my sort of, you know, where I was at. Uh, it was a way of showing her that I was sort of dealing with these things. And, and, uh, this, and, my, and the psychologist pointed out that my father, who's no longer with us, was probably a narcissist, but he then sort of made the observation that um, that that was the perfect uh, to have a narcissistic parent is the perfect sort of preparation that you need to, for dealing with celebrities <laughs> quite often, because you basically learn uh, to sort of by force of personality sort of bowl into a room and sort of hold their attention. You know, it's exhausting. Uh, you probably know you 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 have to kind of hold their attention and be interesting and charismatic and and worthy of of their time and so basically i think i think it's a sort of a personality you know i think you have to be sufficiently in control of the medium of photography that you can put that aside and as i say work on that connection and actually just try and create something very very quickly by by being interesting and funny and having an, in, you know, being hyper vigilant about where they're at. I mean, people love talking about themselves. So quite often it helps that I have a good grasp of popular culture. So if I'm photographing Steve Coogan, I will, I'm a fan of Steve Coogan and I know his. You can oeuvre. quote Alan Partridge to him sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Or or Saxondale, which is a more sort of esoteric project that he was involved in that, that he was impressed that I, I, I knew of, but basically, you know, you, I mean, you don't. I, I definitely don't sort of gem up on the people I'm photographing because that's a bit nerdy. But I try and have an authentic exchange. But I'm kind of a you know interested in people generally. So I I just sort of ac access my inquisitiveness and and just sort of ask questions and and uh, you know just concentrate on having an authentic exchange rather than as I said stamping them with the photographic technique, which is boring as far as they're concerned. Well, that uh, technique of yours, uh, that very insightful and sincere and honest technique is very much evident in this latest work. Photographer Harry Borden has been my guest. His book, On Divorce, is out now. Great to talk to you, Harry. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.